We're talking blogger outreach with Nathan Berry for episode 78. Let's do it. Welcome to the Rebel Growth Podcast. I am Borja Beso, and every week I bring you step-by-step growth and only marketing strategies that you can actually implement in your business to see some results. It's my pleasure to have you here, and let's start with another episode now. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Rebel Growth Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Today's featured guest is Nathan Berry, the founder of ConvertKit.com an email marketing software company that has grown in a very competitive market to some pretty amazing numbers. He's making around 300000 a month that's recurring in you know a space that has some big players that have been around for over 10 years, 12 years, like Aweber or uh, you know, MailChimp, all these big companies that you know about. And uh, you're going to learn how Nathan used blogger outreach as as the main strategy that helped him grow to the point he's at right now. You're going to learn different types of approaches that Nathan has used to reach out to people who, who can help him grow by leveraging, leveraging their audiences. You've heard about other success stories here in the podcast before of people who have used blogger outreach or influencer outreach in diff- different forms. So you can see how how much of an important strategy this is on whatever startup or website you're trying to build nowadays and why it's so, so powerful as a growth hacking tactic. So without any further ado, let's jump right into the interview with Nathan. I am joined today by a professional blogger, author of the App Design Handbook and Authority, and he's also the founder of ConvertKit, an email marketing company that is dominating the industry right now. With that, help me welcome Nathan Berry. Nathan, welcome to the show, man. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, hey, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, no, it's my pleasure. Uh, so why don't you give me a little background on what you were doing before you founded ConvertKit? Yeah, so my background's in software design. Okay. And so after uh, you know working at a few startups, I got into design, designing iPhone applications. I got excited about that and... Uh, Started teaching people how to do that. I wrote a book called The App Design Handbook. Um, Parlayed that into writing two more books, web app, uh, Design Web Applications and Authority. During that process, became amazed with email marketing and how it was driving more sales than every other channel combined. And at the same time, became really frustrated with uh, email marketing because I learned the best practice and then be fighting with whatever tool to implement it because they just weren't designed for people trying to build a big audience and sell digital products to them. They were all generic. And so I was using MailChimp at the time, super frustrated, and uh, then I decided to, that with my background in software design and user experience, I could create something better. So it was three and a half years ago, I started working on ConvertKit, and uh, it's been quite the journey since then, but that's, that's the quick overview. And how are, you, how, how are you generating sales for your apps and your books? Yeah, so the apps I wasn't super effective at generating sales because I was kind of new to the marketing side of things with the apps. Um, I always see it as, or at least at the time, now that I'm running a software company, I, I see it a little bit differently. But I always try to balance the skill set between 
being a designer, a developer, and a marketer. In order to be successful at products, I felt that, you know, those were the three categories and you needed to balance them. And so instead of hiring out a lot of it, I wanted to do all three. Yeah, sounds Um, familiar to me. (laughs) Yeah, and so at the the stage I was at with the the iPhone apps, I was really working on, like, the development leg of, you know, that three-legged stool. Um, And so, like, the apps did okay. Got to maybe $1,000 to $3,000 a month in revenue, uh, but nothing crazy. The books, on the other hand, the marketing for them came down to one simple principle that I've actually followed ever since then. And um, actually, if we're doing video, you can see it's on a poster on the wall behind me, but it's to teach everything you know. Uh, Really what I found is that the difference between the people who had successful audiences um, and were able to sell products, they had a blog following and all of that, and those who didn't is that one group taught and the other just kept information to themselves. And so that really just became my strategy of writing, you know, if I'm promoting a book on designing iPhone apps, then all I do is I write and teach everything that I'm learning about designing iPhone apps, put that out publicly, and then even take it further. So it's not just about um, design or apps, but then when I would would, uh, launch a book or do a marketing thing, I would write about about that process as well and share all of the numbers, share every detail, because that would attract attention you know, in addition to the design stuff, and then there'd be some overlap where people who, you know, wanted to learn about successfully self-publishing a technical book might also be interested in learning design iPhone apps, and there'd be a, a cross-sell there. So it really came down to just a lot of teaching, a lot of sharing information, and then trying to get those people on an email list. Right, a lot of content marketing. Yep. Yeah, so you blog, and you were blogging back then at nathanberry.com, that is, right? Yep. And uh, so you were dividing your content between design and marketing. Yeah, in the early days, it was pretty much all design focused because I was trying to build that that email list for my first ebook. Okay. Um, and then after launching that, I thought, okay, well, I have all this info from how I just did a book launch. I don't know if it's the right way to do a book launch, but it worked. Um, and so, you know, I wrote about that and shared it. And then when I wrote my next design book. I did the same thing where, you know, a whole bunch of design content, and then after launching the book, um, I wrote a, a full launch breakdown, and, uh, uh, you know, people seem to love those posts. Right. Now, um, how did the idea for, for ConvertKit originated? Yeah, so I had just written two books um, in about a four-month period. I was doing some pretty great revenue. I think... I think in the three months after launching the first book, let's see, so I guess it'd be like September 2012 to uh, um, December, through December 2012. I'd made like, I don't know, sixty-five or $70,000 in book sales. Actually, probably more than that. Um, and almost all of it was driven through email marketing, and I was using MailChimp. And I, I was frustrated by three main things. One, MailChimp didn't have any tagging, and so I couldn't differentiate between um, someone who had purchased my book uh, and someone who hadn't. The best way to do that in MailChimp was to do uh, multiple lists, and that was really a pain because then I'd get charged uh, double for each subscriber, and you know the segmenting was a mess, and they really just needed a way to tag your customers. 
Um, the next thing was I would implement these follow-up sequences for anyone who downloaded a sample chapter, you know, then they'd get emails, um, you basically sharing more value, reminding them to come back and buy, et cetera. Um, and, uh, those were so difficult to set up in MailChimp that I found myself not doing it, even though I knew, um, I knew it would make more money and that, you know, and so I was like, okay, <laughs> this bad user experience is actually costing me money because it's making me unwilling to implement best practices. Um, and then the other thing is I was trying to do all these content upgrades, like at the end of a blog post or something like that, where you know, have a specific call to action relevant to what I just written about. And in MailChimp that required creating a new list for every content upgrade. Oh my. And, and so I was like, okay, this doesn't even make any sense. This is, like there's all these best practices and I'm having to hack around them every time. Um, and so, you know, I looked at other tools. I looked at Aweber, Infusionsoft, ActiveCampaign, um, you know, basically everything else that existed at the time. And it was either like too complicated and expensive in the case of Infusionsoft or also too basic like Aweber. And so I thought, okay, there's a sweet spot in this market and uh, let's tackle it. Okay, and how did you, uh, right, so you decided you wanted to create it, you, you had an idea for it, how it was going to look and all that, and how did you validate it that it was going to work if if you actually do, did it? Yeah. yeah, so what I did was I I got on calls with 10 of my friends who had either successful companies or blogs or something like that that used email marketing. Okay. And I asked them, bunch of questions, like what were they frustrated with and all of that. And that, basically after I got off every call, I would tweak my wireframes and start to um, kind of get closer and closer to this problem of, uh, you know, what I thought we could solve. Um, and as we did that, you know, I on each call I'd ask people, hey, how much, you know, is this something you would buy, you know, as we got closer to what the product would, would seem you know, what the product would be. Is this something you would buy? How much would you pay for it? And kind of going through that. And we've got different answers ranging from like $50 a month to $250 a month. And it just kind of varied based on how far along someone's business was. Right. Um, and I got all the way up until the point basically where you actually ask for the credit card. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't have a way to process credit cards then. And so I would get off the phone like do everything except actually get a credit card from them. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, were you afraid you were you were gonna get, you know, just answers from them just telling you what you wanted to hear before you ask ask them for the credit card? Um, I didn't know enough to know that was a big risk. Okay. Um, that was a big mistake that I made early on. Because um, what happened was, oh, we went away. You know, I had these ten conversations went away, you know, and all 10 of them said, yes, I would, uh, that's something I would buy and that they would pre-order it. Um, and so then I went away worked on this for a while and then spun up a way for people to pre-order. And about a month later, I came back to each of these people and said, great, I now have this way for you to pre-order. Here's how to do it. And, uh, I mean, you touched on this earlier, but any guesses out of the 10, how many actually pre-ordered? Um, they also said yes. Um, I'm gonna say none. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Because what happened is I came back and said, great, can I have your money now, like you said? And earlier, it was a hypothetical conversation. Right. Up until you actually ask for money, it's a hypothetical conversation. Hey, if I made this thing, you know, what do you think? People are like, oh, that sounds so cool. Would you buy it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, that sounds great. I'd buy it. And then we say, great, can I have your credit card? As I did a month later. But it would be ideal to do it in the same conversation. Is then they'd say, like, oh, okay, let's think about this. <laughs> How much work is it to switch my list from this other provider? Uh, quite a bit. You know, does it have these particular features? Oh, well, I really need those features before it would work for me. Like, it goes from this hypothetical situation to actually making a buying decision. And that's when the real feedback comes out. And so, out of those 10 people, um, no one actually pre ordered. A handful of them now, years, years later, are customers. Um, but uh, then, you know, luckily I had a little bit of a blog audience, and so when I, I went out to them to solicit pre-orders and actually got some uh, from the audience where I got about 30 pre-orders. Um, That's good. And, but it wasn't, you know, none of it was from the original group. And the mistake that I made was not asking for money early on. Because yeah. um, you have to, none of the feedback matters unless it's, it's, especially if it's positive feedback, none of that feedback matters up until you ask for money. Because otherwise, they're just, they're just being friendly, they're just being helpful. They want you to succeed, and so they're telling you happy, positive things. And it's a hypothetical conversation. Yeah. Well, fortunately, it led to, I mean, even with that situation, it led to a successful product that you built. It could have been much worse, where you could have been, you could have created the whole thing, and you know, no one would would have bought it. You know, that would right. suck. Yes, that that absolutely would. So, how long did it take you to go from idea to something you could sell? Uh, two two months or so, two and a half months. Also, pretty quickly. Uh, did you build it yourself with your software skills, or did you have a team or something? Um, I hired developers for the. Um, like writing the Ruby on Rails code, and I focused on doing the front-end design and HTML and CSS, um, which is more in my wheelhouse. I can kind of write Rails code. More of my programming experience is with JavaScript or with uh, like Objective-C for the iPhone apps. So I hired out most of that development. Um, we got a first version out pretty quickly. It wasn't necessarily that great, but uh, it worked. And, you know, it took about... Let's see, I started working on January 2013 by the end of June, so call it July 1st, 2013, six months later, we were at about $2,000 a month in revenue, um, which I was pretty happy with. My goal was actually to get to $5,000 a month in revenue by then, but I knew that was super aggressive. Um, so $2,000 a month was you know, a failure based on my goal, but at the same time, was a good number and you know, we had good traction. Right. Um, do you think you would have been able to build it the same way you did if you didn't know anything about programming? No, it would have been a lot harder. It would have cost me more money, too. What would, what would you have done? If I didn't know anything about programming? Yes. Well, the first thing I would have done, and actually I did this, um, was bring on a friend to help advise in that early development process. Because mm -hmm. um, if you don't know anything about programming, you don't know well enough how to um like what makes good code right if you look through someone's github repository you're just like cool 
looks good. And you, you know, you talk to a few of the references and it's like, yeah, they seem to ship stuff on time. Blah, blah, blah. Um, so what I did was when I hired people, um, I had my friend Brennan like look through their, their code and I added him as a contributor on the repository. Um, and so he would check in like once a week or every other week to just kind of review how the code was being written and just give me that sanity check of, uh, how's it going? How's, you know, uh, uh is this quality code? And then he was there to answer questions as an experienced developer if needed. Right, because you trusted him. Were you paying him? Uh, no, I wasn't paying him, but we've been really good friends for a long time. Well, yeah, um, that's a good friend for sure. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know we would promote each other's books and courses and audiences, like be on each other's podcasts. Um, I don't know. We uh, we taught workshops in like London and Boston together, and you know, a bunch of different stuff. Right, so you were, yeah, he was getting something out of it. Yeah. Anyway, that's good. Um, were you self-funded? Yeah, so I, I had just come out of uh, marketing and selling these, these books, so I had really a lot of cash on hand, at least for me. I don't know, I had probably 100 grand or something at the time. And I didn't want to waste it. I'd seen a lot of people waste this by just pouring money into a software company. And so I wanted to give myself some serious constraints so that I would be forced to validate the idea and get money from customers rather than like just keep sinking my own money in and hoping that somewhere down the, the line, um, you know, customers would buy. And so what that looked like is I put in just $5,000 initially. Um, and with that, with that 5000 you know, that was enough to get the development started. And remember, I'm doing half of that. I'm doing the design and the front-end stuff. Um, and obviously, I didn't charge myself for that. Um, but then I had that 5000 And then for more money, I needed to collect that through pre-orders. And so that was kind of the thing of like, oh, shoot, we're running out of money. I need more pre-orders. You know, instead of like, that we're running out of money, I guess I'll invest more. Right. You know, it right. kept me close to talking to customers and, and actually looking for revenue. So what, what would you do every time you wanted more pre-orders? Um, well, I actually didn't run out of money as quickly as I, as I thought. Um, so I really just pushed for pre-orders in one big sprint and did about five grand worth of pre-orders. And that was a bunch of people paying for three months free, uh, three months up front. And so, um, yeah. But on the pre-orders, I'd go to my email list, I'd write blog posts, uh, that kind of thing. At this point, because I was doing all this publicly, there was a good sized list of maybe 2,000 people that were following along with every blog post that I wrote. Okay. And uh, the, were, were you trying to get, you mentioned earlier that you want to, you're trying to get some of your friends' audiences to pre order. Um, were you doing it through paid advertising or anything like that? No, I would, I would do some amount of cold, like, or not cold outreach because they're friends. Uh, but I didn't do any affiliate stuff, any webinars, any advertising, or any of that. It was really just simple content marketing. Right. Um, so you just really tell your friends, hey, um, would you help me promote these, these blog posts or whatnot? Yeah, and, and people would share it on Twitter or anything, and stuff. But there wasn't anything like a, a big affiliate promotion or any of that. Maybe I probably should have done that. That would have been smart. <laughs> well, yeah. There's, I mean, there's always a lot of things that we as entrepreneurs could look back and say, hey, you should have done this and that. 
there's so many things to do stuff you know yeah so many things to launch so many ways to build the you know validation there's just so many ways and so many strategies that you can implement there's there's always more you can always do more but uh but you did it right, man. It it turned into a great company. Um, are there any revenue numbers you're going to share with us? I know you you share some revenue numbers from the company. Can you share some with us, just to share some light on on the success so far? Yeah, um, there's a whole middle period that we should probably talk about because it didn't go from that two thousand dollars a month um, back in uh, June or July 2013. So I can tell you now we're three years after that, and we're at $339,000 a month in revenue. Whoa, that's great. Um, thanks. So that's as of today. I'm just looking at the, the chart. If anyone wants to follow along with all of our stats, like you mentioned, they're totally public. Just go to convertkit.bearmetrics.com. You can see that our revenue growth has slowed slightly over the summer. I think that's purely a seasonality thing. We'll see. Um, you can see that it churns a little bit too high, but then you can also see that we have had kind of a ridiculous hockey stick of growth. Um, but it wasn't like linear growth from that $2,000 a month to the 300 k a month that we're at now. Really what happened is we got to that 2000 a month, and I was still doing the books and courses. Mm-hmm. And so that's where my money was coming from. And I was just feeling like ConvertKit was hard to sell. Like beyond that initial momentum, like it was so much work for people to switch over. Um, people weren't interested in, you know, <laughs> switching their all their email marketing to a brand new tool. Like I was just finding this uphill battle. And then I, selling a book or a course is like an impulse buy, whereas you know a recurring like fifty dollars a month uh, is much harder to convince people of. And so for basically the same amount of effort that I could sell a hundred dollars worth of product. In the book and course side, I could sell one dollar worth of ConvertKit. You know, it was so so much harder. And so then, I basically spent the next year and a half of ConvertKit just kind of coasting along. And I worked on it like ten hours a week or something, but that wasn't enough to get any traction. And then my friend Heaton Shaw, who um, he's founded Crazy Egg Kissmetrics, um, and now he's working on a company called Quick Sprout. Um, we were coming back from dinner at a conference and he just kind of pulled me aside and said, look, I think you should, you should shut down ConvertKit. You know, at this point it's been, um, a year and a half. Like you're doing less revenue than you were even six months ago. Like you'll be successful at something, but, um, this probably isn't it. You should shut it down and move on. And so he gave me like another block or two as we were walking to, uh, to think about this. And, you know, because that sucked to hear. Like, because I was so excited about ConvertKit, but he was right. But then he continued and said, hey, or the other option is you can give it the time, money, and attention it deserves and turn it into a real company. But whatever you're doing, it's not working. Like, this trying to work on two companies at the same time, um, there's no focus. It's clearly not working. Something needs to change. Basically, shut it down or double down. And I actually very foolishly waited six more months to take any action on this. And so that took us to October 2014. Um, so almost two years into the company. And uh, the revenue had declined to $1,300 a month. And uh, 
you know, things weren't looking good. So then I had this whole conversation. Where do you go? Shut it down or double down? And I asked myself two questions. One, do I still want this as much the day I started or today as I did the day I started? Like, do I still want to run a software company? Because I have another good business. Like, I don't need to pursue new lines of revenue. Um, and I absolutely did. I wanted the challenge. I wanted to grow a bigger company, all of that. And the next question was, like, have I given it this every possible chance to succeed? And, like, the answer was definitely no. You know, I'd been working on it on the side. Um, I hadn't put much money into it. I hadn't put much time into it. It wasn't, like, my every focus. And so then it's like, well, if you still want it, why haven't you given it every possible chance to succeed? And so then I decided to double down on it. I invested all of my available cash at the time, which was $50,000. Instead of outsourcing or contracting development, I hired one of the smartest developers I've ever worked with to come on full-time and lead the development. Um, You know, started bringing a real team and then started direct sales. So I'd always tried to sell before through content marketing and that got us a lot of beginners. Um, But then I started reaching out directly to bloggers and, uh, you know, Doing direct sales, like cold emails, trying to get them on a demo, talking through it, closing on the phone, um, and so on. And we started seeing some success. It went from thirteen hundred a month to sixteen hundred the next month, to two thousand the month after that. Um, within six months, we were at uh, five thousand dollars a month in revenue. Fast forward six months later to September of last year, we were at, or October of last year, we were at twenty five thousand a month. We closed the year at 100000 a month, or just shy of it. And then today, um, six months into the new year, we're at a little over three hundred k a month. Um, and obviously, there's a lot of tactics in there, but, but that's a high-level story. I absolutely love it. You know, and going back to your conversation with Hit and Shaw, it's actually the second time in one week that a guest has told me that Hit and Shaw had a part in his success story. So I better reach out to him. Yeah. Oh, Hit's amazing. Yeah. Um, now, who, who's your ideal customer? Because uh, I have a feeling that it was a major part on the success of, of the product. Yeah. So originally, you know, in that, we'll call it the time in the wilderness of uh, not a lot of success, um, there was no marketing around who the customer was. Okay. It was around what the pain was or, you know, and so you could go convertkit.com, look in the Wayback Machine or, you know, on archive.org or something. And you can look at all the old taglines. There's stuff like, I don't know, grow your list faster or things that don't target a specific audience. In October, um, what we did was decided to focus on a specific niche. And I originally chose that as email marketing for authors. And two things happened immediately. One, people are out doing outreach to in order to um, get webinars or get them to help promote or that sort of thing. All of a sudden started responding. They're like, yeah, that sounds good. That sounds like a good fit for my audience. Um, and so we were getting a lot of people who were like teaching authors how to publish their books or earn a living on, online or something like that. And it immediately went from like, this is totally generic. I don't really care to I get this. Um, the other thing that happened was the people we were attracting ended up not being good customers. They were at the very bottom of the price point. They always complained about how expensive it was. Um, 
and they would cancel after a month or two because they're the type of people who are like, okay, someday my dream is to get a book on the Kindle store for 99 cents. But, oh, it turns out writing is hard, you know, uh, so I'm going to have to like put my dream on hold and cancel my ConvertKit account after a month. Um, so that was the people we were attracting. But I was like, ooh, focusing on a niche is definitely working. So we iterated on that, trying to find how to describe um, people like me, people who had built a big, a, a good-sized audience and then were just making a great living selling books and courses. Um, so then it was email marketing for, we did course creators. I think that tagline was on the, the homepage for maybe a month or so. Um, and then after a couple months, we eventually settled on email marketing for professional bloggers. And that started to resonate with people. And, um, you know, it, it played a huge role. Like focusing on that niche played a huge role in our success. And it helped me know who to reach out to for uh, like direct sales. You know, because then anyone who's a professional blogger. Um, and that's been amazing for a couple of reasons. One, um, bloggers are better at building email lists than anyone else on the planet. And so if you think we could have gone after SaaS companies or, you know, any of these different niches, um, bloggers have bigger lists than anybody. They grow faster. Um, and so since email marketing is priced per subscriber, that works out well for us. Um, the next thing is, you know, when it comes to referrals and telling people, if I get like a regular small business owner to use a product, they might tell like five or 10 other friends. Um, and that would be amazing if they told that many. Whereas if I get a big name blogger like uh, Pat Flynn to start using it, he might tell a couple hundred thousand of his friends. And that obviously has some great, great traction. And then along those lines, in the blogging world, affiliates is a known method to promote, whereas in a lot of the rest of the business world, affiliates aren't common. And so that, that played a big role as well. So were you... To these blogger friends of yours, uh, were you offering to become part of your affiliate program? We started an affiliate program um, a ways in. It was probably, we've only had our affiliate program for just over a year. Um, so it definitely, it started about two and a half years in. Um, but yeah, then we, we started offering the affiliate program and we pay out a 30% monthly recurring commission. Oh, that's a lot. Yeah, and it's got to be. Like, if, you, if you're doing an affiliate program that's 10%, 15%, even 20%, like, uh, that's just not worth it for anybody. And if it's low, like 10 or 15%, I think that's insulting. Like, give people a way to, to actually make money promoting your product. Um, the other thing is, if your product has good word of mouth, like, if people want to use it, for every person that signs up through your affiliate program, you know, there's going to be like one, two, three more people that will sign up because of that person, and they're not going to do it through an affiliate link, most likely. And so you got to think of like what the, the long tail from that is. Um, so we now pay out, uh, since I bet your audience likes specific numbers, we now pay out $30,000 a month from our affiliate program, uh, which means that 100000 a month in revenue is coming from our affiliate program. And so that's um, just under one-third of all of our revenue comes through the affiliate program right now. One third, yeah. And uh, would you say? I mean, do, do you think you 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 would have been able to achieve what you have done so far if you never if you had never started NathanBerry.com? 
No, it was definitely a stepping stone um, to everything else. Building that audience has been so helpful. Um, and uh, Jason Freed from Basecamp talks about the, like making money being a skill that you can practice. Just like you know, drumming would be a skill, or cooking, or any of these things. You know, um, making money, building a business is a skill, and it takes practice. And so I see the iPhone apps. Um, you know, the failed WordPress theme company, uh, the, the books that, you know, were very successful, you know, all of these things that I did under NathanBerry.com and building that audience and blogging and all of that as me practicing making money. Um, and some of it worked, some of it didn't, but I learned all the way along. And then when it came time to do something big, like ConvertKit, I had a lot of those skills. Was Nathan Berry your very first website or attempt at blogging? Um, yes. Yeah, I had a site before I acquired NathanBerry.com. I had like nberry.com. Oh, okay. um, and then I was able to actually get, you know, my full name. That's good. Now, wh- where do you see uh your goals and the next and the next future for your convert kit? Yeah, um we're pushing pretty aggressively. You know, we want to at least double the revenue of the company by the end of the year. Um I that should be possible. It's definitely aggressive. We'll see how slow the summer is compared to what we can do, you know, in the fall. Like winter and spring was really good for us. Um, and so I don't know. It's hard to predict trends. I don't know if like this little bit of a summer slowdown that we're seeing is based on um, like what we're doing in our marketing efforts or if it's based on like a seasonality to it. We're just not an old enough business to see patterns like that yet. Um, yeah, and then that. So we'll see. You know, I want to get to at least six, seven hundred thousand a month um, by the end of the year, at least. Um, and I try not to plan out too much beyond that, you know, because it's so hard to know. You know, I could pick like some some super high numbers for three years from now, um, but I don't know. That doesn't accomplish anything for us. So instead, the type of goals that we set up are what sort of things we want to do on like a brand and community level. Mm-hmm. Um, so our mission as a company is to legitimize blogging as a career. Like if you go back to your family reunion or something like that, say you're like call it a year out of college, you were always the promising kid, you know, in like your extended family where people are like, oh man, he's going somewhere. And then you go to that family reunion and people are like, hey, like you went to this good college, you, uh, you know, they have all these high expectations. What, what are you working on these days? Like you're, you know, your successful uncle asks you that. And you're like, oh, I'm a blogger. And he's going to be like, uh, right. yeah, about that. Do you need, uh, do you need to borrow some money? Cause I could loan you some, you know, <laughs> and you're like, no, no, no. I make money. I make money. Probably you more know. than you do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but nobody knows that. And so then if you have, you know, some 17 year old who's like obsessed with blogging and they're trying to think, okay, what should I go into? The parents are going to be like, mm, blogging. No. Have you thought about being a doctor? You know, they're going to do that instead of going like, yeah, blogging is an amazing career. You can make more money than a doctor can without eight years of school and residency. Um, and you'll be learning these great business skills along the way. You'll be learning marketing. You'll be learning copywriting, you know, all these amazing skills that will carry over into every other aspect of business. So instead of right now, people aren't being encouraged in that way. And so I see ConvertKit's mission as to legitimize blogging as a career. Um, and so we're starting to make a lot of bigger, uh, 
brand plays, you'll see us um, producing a lot more video, hosting meetups, hosting a conference, you know, all kinds of things around that idea of telling stories of bloggers. Um, and so I like to make a lot of our company goals focus on, around that rather than like top line revenue. Right. And uh, going back to that, uh, I can't tell you how many of my friends, like my non-blogging friends, have no idea what I do. Yeah, just... <laughs> Even if I try explaining it to them, it's like, what does Borja do anyway? Like, is he selling drugs or something? How you make? Somehow money? he just makes money appear, and uh, we don't ask too many questions. Yeah, yeah, we just—it's like, look, I just work on software. <laughs> I just yeah. work on marketing because it's just when you try to explain how blogging drives revenue for your life and how you sustain your how you live out of blogging, it's just it's so I don't know complex, you know, abstract to explain to someone yeah. who's just used to the traditional brick and mortar, you know, to what society has had uh, put on our brains ever since we, we were little, you know? So, yeah, yeah, I can definitely relate to that. Now, about the future of email marketing, uh, where do you see this, this marketing strategy going forward? Well, the people who are going to do the best are always going to be those who can, who can attract attention, right? So attention... You know, and the, the two best ways to get attention would be either through, uh, you know, educating or entertaining. Um, so th you think about it in those ways. My philosophy of teach everything you know is going to work really well for, uh, you know, any training content, um, any of that. But then if you're on the flip side, if you're um, a fiction author or any of these other things, you know, then you fall on the entertainment side. Um, so your goal is to attract attention. However you do that, you know, email marketing happens to be the best way to do that right now. Uh, the, the medium may change later, um, and we would change with it if it ever does. Though email marketing has been around for 20 years um, and is stronger now than ever, so I don't see it changing anytime soon. Um, but really, you know, the bloggers, the authors, all of those people who are good at, at attracting and holding attention will always have a great way to promote products, whether it's through sponsorships or selling their own products. Uh, that's really what all marketing is about. It's just getting those attention, getting that attention. And bloggers have, have perfected that model better than like any of the advertising industries before us or, or any of that. Um, so we'll see exactly what happens with the email marketing. It's going to continue to get more sophisticated um, it's going to continue to get more popular. And, uh, you know, I'm not entirely sure what will happen over the next five years, but um, we'll be here helping bloggers do it. Wonderful. Happy to hear that. <laughs> I make my living from email marketing as well, so <laughs> let's hope it, it happens that way. Nathan, man, thank you so much for everything you shared with us, the numbers, the tactics, being so transparent, your story. Love it all. Um, where do you want to send people to stay connected with you and learn more from what you're doing? Yeah, so obviously you should... Go sign up for a ConvertKit account uh, if you're into email marketing like uh, like we are. Um, you know, so that's just ConvertKit.com. I write a lot on my blog. You, you, uh, that's NathanBerry.com, and Barry is B-A-R-R-Y. Um, and so you can read about how we spent the last six months getting really profitable, um, all kinds of things. All the details are on my blog. Um, so check that out. And then, of course, I'm on Twitter, just at NathanBerry. Um, and then we also have a a book that we wrote at ConvertKit. It's just convertkit.com slash book. 
And it's all of the best practices that we know about email marketing written into a free ebook. So Beautiful. you can check that out. All right. Uh-huh. Well, they have guys, convert, convertkit.com slash book. Learn what, what you can do to improve your email marketing. Nathan, thank you so much for coming, man. I really, really appreciate it. And I hope to have you again in the future. That sounds good. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Take care. Okay. All right. Good that was, stuff. That was perfect, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for yeah. being uh, one of those people that shares revenues. and. Yeah. It's it's good for click through rates. <laughs> they put it on the top. <laughs> oh man, you can say how could work it, uh, What would that tagline be? How could work it grew from thirteen hundred a month to three hundred thousand a month in eighteen months? Yeah, that's that's pretty much what I'm doing. <laughs> I hope no one else has that title. I have to check that out because I know you you've been in a, quite a few episodes, uh, uh, interviews on other yeah. podcasts. You know, so it's, yeah, but I haven't done a podcast interview in at least two or three months. Oh, and most of them good. tend to have a, a different angle to it. So you're actually good because I'm going to jump out and do probably like five or ten five or ten interviews in the next like month or so. Interviews are great for, for SEO and backlinks and whatnot. That's why I do Yeah, because it's just natural. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you go through the show notes and you're going to link to all the stuff that I mentioned. And it's like, you know, and and it's just like all we do is tell the story, you know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Hey, man, I'm I'm, I'm – I'm have a pretty big list, and um, I use Aweber, and I've been thinking. Uh-oh. Yeah, I've been. Uh-oh. Man, yeah, I've been thinking about switching to ConvertKit. I think almost for a year now. Um, uh, How many subscribers do you have? I have twenty twenty-two thousand, I believe twenty-two thousand. Nice. Yeah. Um, Man, there's so many things wrong with Aweber. That's like sometimes people are on like Infusionsoft, or if they happen to love Mailchimp, like for the brand or something, then they have trouble switching. But Aweber people usually don't have trouble switching. Well, yeah, my problem with Aweber and Infusionsoft is well, Infusionsoft is way too complicated. You know, yeah, you basically oh, yeah. need you you have to be you have a certificate in order to master it. Yes, be able to to work with Infusionsoft successfully. And Aweber is just too simple. You know, I can't do a lot of segmentation. Um, right, there's no tagging. There's no tagging. Uh, I have probably 30, 30 lists or something like that. So I go yeah, crazy so you're every time for, I need, yeah. You're paying for duplicate subscribers like crazy. Between my arts and craft website, which generates about, I don't know, 5,000 email subscribers a month and, and the podcast. Uh, I just go crazy every time I have to send a broadcast. Be very careful not to, not to uh, mix... <laughs> not to make lists on the broadcast. Right. It's, it's just uh, it's a pain on the rear for sure. Um, so yeah, I'm, uh, do you have do you offer? I haven't checked that out, but do you offer any trials or anything like that? Yeah, we have we don't do trials um, on our webinar promotions. We do let me find the link. Um, we do a first month free, so that that basically works out to a trial. We just don't message it that way. Oh, that's cool. Uh, let me drop you a link. Uh, one month free. <clears throat> okay. There you go. Um, the other thing that you might find very helpful is we do free concierge migrations. Okay. Um, so you're like, oh man, I have all this stuff, but like exporting and importing subscribers, uh, copying and pasting follow-up sequences, like that sounds kind of tedious. And uh, we do it for you for free. Oh, that's okay. 
you sold me on that. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that yeah, that, that's not so powerful. Um, so let me uh, migration. I'm guessing at URLs here. There we go. And it, it was actually Pat who told me, man, you have to switch over to Converse. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Pat's a good guy. He's, Pat's a good guy. He's, uh... I believe he even wrote a whole blog post on how on how he switched to ConvertKit, right? Oh, yeah. Did you ask him to do that? <laughs> no, he... So Pat's an advisor now. Oh, yeah. to the, uh, an advisor to the company. He was not early on. Um, so he switched July of last year. So Pat's been with us for a year now. Almost to the day, actually. Oh, man, I should send him a card. Um, uh, so Pat's been with us for a long time. So he switches in July. And we like we weren't allowed to talk about it. Totally quiet, all of that. Because he's feeling it out. Let's see if this works. Let's see if it's better than Infusionsoft, you know? Um, by middle of August, he's like, I love this. And then, it, and so things are going well. He's like, how can I promote it? We start talking. Because we just rolled out our affiliate program. And then he starts with, uh, he says, okay, I'm going to call all of October email marketing month. And so then he maps out everything that he's doing for the month. So he had me back on the podcast, specifically to talk about email marketing. He did an episode for SBI TV that was all about, it was just a demo of ConvertKit. He did another episode of SBI TV that was, like list segmenting and stuff like that, what he's been doing that mentioned ConvertKit. And then he published um, the article, why I switched from AWeber to Infusionsoft to ConvertKit. Um, all in a single month. So he plans out all of this. And he says, cool, this is my content for the month. And I see that like four out of 12, out of his 12 pieces of content for the month promote ConvertKit in a major way. I remember that. That was August last year, right? August, uh, August September. It was October. Something October. October last year. I remember yeah. that that month. And so I was like, so Pat, do you want to be more than just an affiliate? Um, and he was like, sure, but you have in mind. I was like, do you want you want to come on as an advisor to the company? Because I think uh, <laughs> I think this is going to make a big difference, and I think you can help us out a lot. So how does that work? Do you pay him to be an advisor or something? Uh, he has equity in the company. He has equity. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he now, uh, once every once his equity vests fully vests over to vests over four years, um, then he'll have 075 percent of the company. That's good. Yeah. That's so good. he will be well rewarded. Um, you know. So now my job is to make sure that, that equity is worth at least a million bucks. And then there's and he's a, paid all the way along as an affiliate. So oh, he's our biggest affiliate. And you can see on his income reports. So I like how much he's I think, Yeah. Much I think it was like twelve or thirteen thousand last month. It was definitely a, a big win for you to get paid as Oh yeah. It changed the trajectory of the company. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet it I bet it did. Oh for sure. So anyway. Um I gotta I I gotta go jump off, uh, grab some water and then get on a call with my team. Um but you should switch. Uh, we'll do it for you. Basically, if you fill out that form, um, which it's a little bit long, but you know, basically telling us about what's going on, what you'd like us to switch, then Matt from our team will reach out, get on a call to answer any questions, and then he's kind of the account manager, and he handles uh, like getting the switch done for you. And we've actually been doing these, it says two weeks on there, but now we're doing them pretty much in real time. Perfect, so. man. 
Yeah, love that. Oh, and then also, you should, if I mean you have a good list, you should check out the affiliate program. It's awesome. Okay, I was trying to find it. Uh, Convertkit.com slash partner. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Hey, Take care, man. I think it, I'll, I'll catch up on social media and connect, and you know, I'll sounds good. Stuff, okay? Thank All you, right. man. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right, that was Nathan Berry from Convertkit.com. Thank you so much for listening, for your time. If you have a chance, head on over to, to, to iTunes and let a review for the podcast. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you want to learn about and who you want me to interview in the future. Uh, for the show notes, head on over to rebelgrowth.com forward slash episode 78. And until next week, guys, thank you so much for being here. Go out, implement, and keep on growing.